The House and Senate have both adjourned. The House will likely not come back until after the election, while the Senate will come back tomorrow and stay in session through the end of the week. So this week in the Senate, they'll return tomorrow. They'll take up a coronavirus relief package that would spend about $500 billion. First up, there will be a standalone vote Tuesday to provide additional PPP funding. Then Wednesday, the Senate will vote on a larger, more comprehensive coronavirus relief package that includes the additional PPP funding and then some. On Friday, the Senate is expected to take up the confirmation of Judge Amy Coney Barrett. That debate will likely continue into the following week. On the deficit, the federal government's fiscal year 2020 ended a few weeks ago on September 30, and that means it's time to look back and see how we did. By historical standards, we did not fare that well. The federal budget deficit tripled to a record $3.1 trillion, according to the Department of the Treasury. As a share of GDP, the deficit rose to 16.1%, the largest since the end of World War II in 1945. Federal debt totaled 102% of gross domestic product. That's the first time since 1950 that the national debt has exceeded the size of the entirely the entire yearly output of our economy. And that puts the U.S. in the same league as countries like Greece, Italy, and Japan. To the Hunter Biden front, on Wednesday, the New York Post, the oldest continuously published newspaper in the United States, founded by Alexander Hamilton, began publishing a series of articles based on emails it believes to have come from a computer hard drive that once belonged to Hunter Biden, son of the former vice president. The first story was based on an email to Biden from one of his Ukrainian business colleagues, thanking Biden for having arranged a meeting with Biden's father. If true, this would prove the elder Biden to have been lying when he said repeatedly over the years that he had never spoken to his son about his son's business dealings. The second story was based on an email from another of the younger Biden's business associates, this one dealing with the structure of a deal with a Chinese entity. According to the email, the younger Biden would receive a 20% equity stake in the venture and would hold a 10% stake in the venture for someone identified as, quote, the big guy. Shannon Bream of Fox News later corroborated that email with one of her sources and verified that the big guy was a reference to the former vice president. Former White House counselor Steve Bannon, who is involved in the release of the material, says there is more to come. As the story goes, a copy of the hard drive was sent to the FBI last fall. If true, that would mean the FBI had the hard drive in its possession before the House impeachment proceedings began. It would mean the FBI had evidence that could have proved exculpatory to the president. Senate Homeland Security Chairman Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin wants answers from FBI Director Chris Wray. There's something else of note regarding the FBI, too. Apparently, the FBI agent whose name is on a request for a subpoena for the hard drive is an agent who, for the last five years, has focused his work on combating child pornography. The FBI did not respond to questions as to whether that means the FBI was investigating the possibility that the hard drive contained illegal images or child pornography. Now, back to coronavirus relief. We still don't have a deal and the clock is still ticking. Talks continued through the weekend, and both sides recognize that they're running out of time to make a deal and have it be enacted before Election Day. Given how much time it takes to actually move legislation to the floor after the top-line numbers have been agreed to, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and Speaker Pelosi would have to come to terms by Tuesday in order for there to be enough time to get a bill through both House and Senate. And that's assuming, of course, that the package could get through the Senate. For weeks, Majority Leader McConnell has been telling the White House that his caucus has no interest in supporting a package that would spend more than $500 billion. In fact, 
He's moving a bill to the floor of the Senate this week to prove his point. Nevertheless, Secretary Mnuchin has already offered $1.8 trillion, and President Trump has indicated he wants to go even higher. Asked how he would handle McConnell's objections to spending that much, Trump insists that Senate Republicans will come along if he asks them to. I have my doubts. Stay tuned. Now to court backing. Former Vice President Joe Biden continues to dodge on the question of whether or not he supports his colleagues' efforts to pack the Supreme Court. Appearing Thursday on a town hall event broadcast by ABC News, he refused to answer cleanly when pressed by host George Stephanopoulos. Said Biden of court packing, quote, well, I'm not a fan. I would then say it depends on how this turns out, not how he wins, but how it's handled, how it's handled. But there's a number of things that are going to be coming up, and there's going to be a lot of discussion about other alternatives as well. Stephanopoulos asked, what what does that mean, how it's handled? How will that determine? And Biden responded, well, for example, if there's actually real live debate on the floor, if people are really going to be able to have a time to go through this, you know, I don't know anybody who has gone on the floor and just, and that's been a controversial justice in terms of making, fundamentally altering the makeup of the court that's gone through in a day kind of thing. It depends on how much they rush this. And you think about it, George. Here you've got a lot of people not being able to pay their mortgage, not being able to put food on the table, not being able to keep their business open, not being able to do anything to deal with what's going on in terms of the economy as a consequence of COVID. And they have no time to deal with that, but they have time to rush this through. Stephanopoulos asked, if they vote on it before the election, you're open to expanding the court? To which Biden responded, I'm open to considering what happens from that point on. Stephanopoulos pressed, you know, You've said so many times during the campaign, all through the course of your career, it's important to level with the American people. And Biden responded, it is. But George, if I if I say no matter what answer I give you, if I say it, that's the headline tomorrow. It won't be about what's going on now, the improper way they're proceeding. Stephanopoulos asked, but don't voters have a right to know where you stand? And Biden said they do have a right to know where I stand and they will have a right to know where I stand before they vote. And Stephanopoulos said, so you'll come out with a clear position before Election Day. And Biden said, yes, depending on how they handle this. So Biden ended up right where he began. We'll know where he stands, depending on how they handle this. Now to the Supreme Court, Judge Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearings went off without a hitch. Democrats came after her in a half-hearted way, almost mocking themselves with the inanity of their questions. Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii actually asked with a straight face whether Judge Barrett had ever sexually assaulted anyone. Quote, since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any physical or verbal harassment or assault of a sexual nature? Barrett replied, no, Senator Hirono. Then Hirono followed up. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? Barrett responded, no, Senator. Hirono explained her questions by noting that she asks those two questions of every nominee who comes before a committee on which she sits. Having successfully evaded the Hirono sexual harassment trap because she never engaged in such behavior, Barrett is now set for the next step of her confirmation journey, a vote in the full committee. Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham announced that he would gather the full committee on Thursday, October 22, for the purpose of voting on her confirmation. He believes all 12 Republicans will vote in favor. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has announced his intention to bring her nomination to the floor the following day, Friday, October 23rd. That would likely lead to a confirmation vote around Thursday, October 30th. 
and now to social media. On Wednesday of last week, when the New York Post published its first pieces based on Hunter Biden's emails, social media giants Facebook and Twitter took steps to shut down widespread sharing of the stories via their platforms. Citing violations of policy, to wit that they would not facilitate the distribution of articles based on hacked materials, and that private information was visible in the images included with the articles, the two entities disabled users' abilities to share the articles, even via private messages. The New York Post's account was disabled, and the White House press secretary's account was locked. So was the account of the Trump campaign. None would be allowed to use their accounts until they deleted the offending tweets, they were told. Facebook and Twitter were wrong to take this action just based on their own policies. The emails in question were not hacked. They were the legitimate property of the owner of the computer repair shop. As the owner of the emails, he had the right to do anything he chose with them, and he chose to share them with journalists. Thursday morning, Senate Judiciary Chairman Graham and Senator Ted Cruz, also a member of the Judiciary Committee, announced that the committee would meet Tuesday to vote to subpoena Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey to appear before the committee on Friday, October 23rd. By Thursday evening, Twitter had reversed itself and said it would no longer block the New York Post stories from being shared. Was that because they no longer believed the emails to have been hacked? Not according to a Twitter spokesman. Instead, Twitter executives apparently concluded that, quote, the once private information included is now widely available in the press and on other digital platforms like, oh, say, Parler. On Friday, the Republican National Committee filed a complaint with the Federal Election Commission alleging an illegal corporate in-kind contribution on the part of Twitter and Facebook to the Biden campaign. According to the complaint, the RNC, quote, believes that Twitter has violated the Federal Election Campaign Act and the commission's regulations by making corporate in-kind contributions to Biden for president, unquote. The RNC said Twitter, quote, is a partisan actor run by partisan Democrats, unquote, and is, quote, using its corporate resources to provide active support for Joe Biden's campaign in violation of federal law, end quote. The complaint charges that Twitter has, quote, engaged in arguably the most brazen and unprecedented act of media suppression in this country's history, and it is doing so for the clear purpose of supporting the Biden campaign, end quote. As of Sunday afternoon, Twitter had not yet unlocked the New York Post's account. And that's our Washington Report for this week.